0: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. All right. Well, this is the uh, the coronavirus series of the podcast. Uh, I am doing a series of more stripped-down episodes, not as much editing not as labor-intensive, because my brain is uh, not able to handle that much work right now. So I still want to bring you regular shows, but it won't be at the same level of production that you're used to. Um, I think that we all need some company right now, though, uh, and podcasts are here to provide some comfort, some company. Uh, I'll a lot of us are stuck in our homes. A lot of us are feeling alienated or frightened and worried about the future. And so having a podcast, even, uh, even if you're on the other side of the world or on the other side of the country, we can all come together and uh, engage in this conversation. So uh, I also need to thank my latest patrons who have made this episode possible. Let me pull up my Patreon real fast. All right, Vaughn Stewart S and Bill. Thank you so much. You're my personal lords and saviors. I really couldn't do this without you. But also in light of the current pandemic, your responsibility is to yourself right now and to um make sure that you stay afloat and to do what's best for you. And so please do not feel any pressure to maintain your patronage for, for those of you who are patrons, those of you who are thinking about patrons who want to be patrons, please don't stress over it. Um, please take care of your, for yourself first and foremost. And, um, I will continue to produce this show for you for free, my writing for you for free. And, um, Please, please don't stress. And already some patrons have had to withdraw. And that is completely okay. That is to be expected. And I am grateful for all of the support that all of my patrons have given me. But there's really, we're all struggling right now. And if worst comes to worst, I have my sugar daddy who can pay my bills for me. So we're good. Uh, Take care of yourself first. All right. Well, with that said, I am incredibly pleased to welcome Lucian Greaves to the show. He is the founder of the Satanic Temple, co-founder of the Satanic Temple, and spokesperson of the Satanic Temple. Lucian, welcome.
1: Good to be on. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so we hung out on your podcast a couple of nights ago uh, on your Patreon, and it was a lot of fun. And... You know, because our schedules are now so empty, <laughs> we we decided to do it again. Um, so so how are you? How are you managing this this crisis? How are you doing through all of this?
1: Kind of the same as you, it sounds like. Uh, trying to make more content for people on my Patreon. I've made uh, my current entries free. Um, but still, with the encouragement that if people can subscribe, that they do, because uh, I had about a year uh, from now planned out in advance. Uh, my first uh, first musical performance with the band Satanic Planet was supposed to take place, I think, on the twenty first of March. And I think in the in the future now, when I say March twenty first, twenty twenty was supposed to be when uh, the tour start. People will will laugh immediately and know exactly how. Implausible that was, um, but of course we couldn't own yeah. that at the time of, of putting that together. But um, uh, so I've just been on lockdown since uh, I got back from uh, depositions in Arkansas regarding the the case we have uh, claiming really discrimination for their failure to allow us to uh, privately donate a monument when they accepted the private donation of a Ten Commandments monument. Right. So and this is this I is the, the really
0: reality- Sorry, go on.
1: Trial for that was supposed to take place or is supposed to take place in July, as far as I still know. But I'm almost certain that that won't happen now. Courts have been shut down, I think, for uh, you know a good month now. And they, they plan on being shut right. down for uh, the the immediate future. And that's going to back everything up quite a bit. So it's really hard to know exactly how this plays out for us uh, in the projects that we're doing. So now I think. Mm-hmm of uh bring our community closer together as we have to remain isolated uh and we can do that online we have all the resources now uh this is probably the best time in all of human history to be forced into to a lockdown uh, you know it's still not comfortable and, and a lot of people still don't have the liberty of of uh of locking down the way they they should be able to and uh and that's that's a difficult challenge to be met, but, uh, but but at least we do have the technology if we are locked down to do teleconferencing and all these other types of things. So I'm still doing some public appearances via uh, teleconferencing, and uh, and just trying to reorganize my my plans based on the notion it'll be a you know maybe a couple years uh, out before we can reasonably consider getting back into conference environments or or concerts again
0: it really could be you know i was i was talking to um some of my colleagues at rock candy podcast and we do lots of live shows and we have musicians as well and we do band you know concerts and all that kind of stuff and and i was just like you know we just have to assume that at the very least we can't do any live anything for the next 12 months at the very least it could be so much longer than that and so it's like this incredible pivot that we're having to go through but could I was also just talking to a friend about this like could you imagine going through this pandemic in the 90s like even just 20 years ago or in the early 2000s without the level of technology that we have now like can you imagine how awful and nightmarish that would be well, I have to, I have to, uh,
1: to uh, think hard about people's different approaches to things, and give cut people a lot of slack on just the the differences of their character as opposed to mine, because uh, it, it could be easy for me to uh, be very dismissive of. Large swaths of the population, or become overly disgusted with them to the point where I uh, applaud their their infection and sickness. If I get so disgruntled about their their failure to uh, to heed the warnings and, and still go about their their behavior at the at risk to themselves and to others. Uh, at the same time, I have to realize, as I was saying, that it's much more difficult for some other people to disengage from social life, to stay away from people. I, I've, I, I mean, honestly, I, I know it's a lot easier for me than it is other people. On a day-to-day basis, uh, when I first started working my uh, on my own schedule, uh, on my own projects, uh, and as with myself as my own boss, uh, the real fear for me was that I would slip into a kind of hermit lifestyle and and agoraphobia, and uh, on a normal day, uh, in non-pandemic times, I would set a kind of schedule for myself where I would get up and make the effort to, to at least, even if I were going to work on my laptop, to take my laptop somewhere out publicly just to make myself do it, just to be out amongst people just so I don't get so withdrawn from social interaction that I, I... uh I get used to just kind of locking myself indoors. I don't know where I'll be after this is all done, but I think the, uh, the greater fear as far as
0: I'm concerned, is that I will have uh, lost my ability to go out. <laughs> <amongst guys. laughs> well, you know, I have been a reclusive gamer boy for my entire life. You know, and so I have been practicing for this. Moment. You've been training for this. Sir. I have been training this for my entire life. So you mentioned something uh, a minute ago that was really interesting, which was you know you're you're still having to cultivate community within the Satanic Temple right now, and and there's kind of this this challenge that we're all going through, which is staying together, like still having a sense of community and belonging i think that there's something about this pandemic that is really hard for human nature because it's like we are we are herd creatures we're intensely social and so whenever there's a crisis our immediate like our psychology our deep evolution is to is to gather physically is to gather, but suddenly we can't do that. Right. And so it's like, it, it feels like there's this constant subtle tearing at our evolutionary uh, training almost, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, there's this challenge of how do we, how do we maintain this feeling of togetherness and community? And, you know, TST has this wonderful and rich religious community, but how do you maintain that when you can't physically meet? So what are you, like, what are we doing to, to, to do that? Well, early on, I was paying close attention to
1: the models put out by epidemiologists, the projections uh, being advanced, and I was appalled by the uh, lack of coherent response from Politicians who should have really known better than to kind of ignore these these advanced notices because, yeah. uh, Yeah. Set up with a with a reasonable degree of mathematical certainty that that we knew, given the rate of infection, about where we'd be right now with the kind of measures we were taking or where we'd be without taking any measures. And that's where we (laughs) are. Right. Right. (laughs) Pretty pretty much. I mean, uh, social distancing has worked uh, and and uh, shutting down bars and clubs and things like that have, have really done uh, done quite a bit to re- reduce the rate of infection. Uh, of course, churches still find themselves uh, defying those orders or more more or less exempt in, in other areas, but that's a, that's a whole other story. But um, we started putting out the message pretty early on, I think, that uh, we were going to need to not meet physically and uh, we we're going to have to start meeting via teleconferencing and, and try to come up with activities that people could do remotely, which is a good project for us to begin with, because we get no end of messages from people who aren't close to any local chapters, still want to engage somehow. Um, Facebook, of course, isn't, isn't really a good place for any type of remote activity. Uh, I, would,
0: I would argue it's not good for any type of activity at all. And it's, a, all... it's a hellscape. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, I, I hate it. I hate Facebook so fucking much. And the choice to end the official Satanic Temple Facebook page was the right one. But or oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the discussion group. It it be it was yeah. Anyway, that's all I'll yeah, say but, about that.
1: <laughs> Facebook as a company and and with uh, and oh with- oh
0: start start over one more time. Start start that over. Uh, you clipped out just a bit.
1: Oh yeah, no, sorry. Um, i was saying, like, well, that's a whole whole other uh, topic of conversation. Problems with Facebook as a company, and problems with Facebook as a uh, as a method of, of general communication to the public. But I'm finding that as this goes on, uh, we've been doing movie nights. You know, um, I, I hadn't even heard of the platform Cast, and I don't know how old it is. And I I can't really speak to its uh, uh, its uh, its adherence to uh, privacy standards and things like that. So I'm not necessarily advocating for this platform, but it's what I've been using uh, yeah. the past several times when it comes to uh, uh, broadcasting movie nights and people uh, are able to chat in real time, just just in, in text with each other. And I think, uh, you know, ha- part of it has to do with just the isolation um, making these such such significant events. I mean, uh, we, we have a lot of fun with them. I, I don't know that people would be so willing to engage <laughs> on this level and, and have this much fun with it if it weren't for the isolation, for sure. But uh, yeah. it, it, it is also quite, uh, quite inspiring to see how many people pop on and, and have a good time and make, uh, you know, uh, humorous comments throughout the movie and, and Speak, you know, the tone is very, very lighthearted and there's a lot of camaraderie and nobody's cop- popped in yet with some kind of dogmatic agenda to push, uh, as you often see in social media dialogues that kind of uh, change the tone and, and ruin it entirely. Everybody comes in with a, the with a feeling more, it seems, of just having a good time and enjoying um, that level of social interaction that they can get during this and we're looking for other ways to you know other other ways to do that you know I'm, I'm considering other types of uh lecture events uh other other interact active uh uh capabilities we might have um you know tst tv unfortunately is more of a one-way uh communication <laughs> program right now but through TST TV management, uh Greg and William. They they have uh, successfully pulled off some dance parties. Uh yes,
0: it was great. Yeah, um, yeah. And um yeah, and and I was part of uh one of Greg's uh movie night cast things. He streamed um for those who don't know, Greg is also uh, priest penamu and he has been a regular guest on this show so go back and listen to all of our awesome conversations we have we have a ton of episodes together but yeah he aired the the cook the oh I can never remember the the cook his wife the no the, the cook thief. the thief <laughs> yes the cook yeah, the, thief, the thief his wife and somewhere. her lover yeah no it was great so there's something in here that I actually think is really interesting and and uh, that I was also thinking about as I was reading your really, in, your really excellent introduction uh, or your foreword to Shiva Honey's new book, The Devil's Tome. And really, I just need to get Shiva Honey on this podcast and talk to her about it because I'm really loving, really, really loving it. But what struck me, what, what has struck me in a lot of conversations with people about Satanism and who who are non satanists and what strikes me as i talk to you now kind of about maintaining a community through the covid-19 crisis is there a lot of people outside of this tend to think that we are just this outward all, totally outward facing organization that is just all about theatrics all just about you know, quote unquote trolling or activism. And that really we're just atheists pretending to be Satanists. <laughs> you know, that that we are we're just, you know, humanists who who are just Satanists in name only. And I think what a lot of people miss and what I find myself explaining to people a lot is no, we see ourselves as an authentic religious movement. And I would say the vast majority of what we do is internal, is the private rituals and the private community and supporting one another and being on these online platforms together and having these movie nights together and, and you know, the, the destruction rituals and, and all of that stuff that we do together, um, I think it's just lost on people.
1: Well, it comes from two different camps, that uh, perception that we're we're just these outward facing trolls. And on the one hand, we have that uh, uh, predictable criticism of that from uh, groups that want to diminish us as religiously inauthentic. And that would be, you know, the, the, the groups we're in opposition to that we find ourselves in, in, legal combat against, who are trying to gain exclusive privilege on the public grounds, who will, you know, in court often uh, argue, interestingly enough, that we're not an authentic religion, even though, uh, or even if, they've been making the case that whatever they were doing wasn't religious expression to begin with. For example, the uh, campaign we had to put up, uh, the Baphomet Monument in Arkansas, uh, to complement and contrast the Ten Commandments monument on the Capitol grounds, they put the Ten Commandments monument there claiming that it was a a secular document talking, you know, speaking to the codification of uh, the judiciary in the United States. And yet somehow they're trying to bring into question our religious authenticity, um, uh, apparently on the assumption that you need to be a uh, uh, legitimate religion to have a secular message on the Capitol grounds. It, it makes no real sense, but that opposition, you know, likes to try to diminish us as, as just some kind of uh, publicity stunt trolls outward facing, as you were saying. But, uh, what people don't realize is there's also a significant number of people who want us to be that uh, when they, yes, first exactly. Kinds of, uh, atheist activists who look at what the satanic temple is doing and they think that they're reading between the lines that they get it they understand what we're really doing you know they, they think there's this real artifice that <laughs> yes, we're yeah. uh, that we're, we're concealing our true intentions but with a wink and a nudge they they understand where we're at and that in reality we've turned fuck you christians up to volume 10 and they want to get on board with us and then they'll be disappointed when they come in and find that we're primarily or almost entirely uh, concerned with our affirmative values. And I say almost entirely rather than that we completely are because it's just hard to kind of extricate uh, sometimes our, our fight against uh, the theocratic right of from course, you know advancing our, our affirmative values because when you see these assaults, upon our affirmative values coming from one party it's easy to contextualize us as some as an entity that's just dedicated to uh to opposition of, of of that of that side but that's not really how we see ourselves we don't see ourselves as just this kind of uh reactionary group that's just going to take whatever some other party is doing that we're solely focused on and do the opposite right we we'd be we'd be very happy if they came to see our point of view and we were able to reconcile that somehow we didn't have to fight these battles anymore. And we'd still be a satanic community. We'd still have these affirmative values and we'd still go forward with what what we're doing. So it is funny to see that we have those kinds of uh, distinct camps where people think there's something noble in in this kind of trolling that they, they believe we're engaging with and other people who try to use it to discredit us. But as time goes on, I think it's more apparent who we are and what we're doing and those kinds of criticisms against us uh, uh, just don't ring true in, in, uh, in reference to the evidence.
0: And I think that there's another camp, which is people from the atheist side Having some serious understanding that we see ourselves as religious and having profound cognitive dissonance over that, you know, and, or being or or just rejecting it outright and and getting very angry about that, understanding that we do see ourselves as religious, you know, Matt Dillahunty, who I, who I generally really like, I love Matt Dillahunty, you know, he, he released a video about Satanism a while ago. And he, in that video, he said, you know, but if you aren't theists, why do you feel any need to hold on to a religious identity? Um, why do you feel any need to hold? And so I, and I asked You know, I wrote an article with Greg in in which we kind of had this back and forth in which I asked him, well, why do you think that there's such resistance to the idea of non-theistic religion? So why do so I'll put the same question to you. Why do you think—because I've I've honestly—in my personal life, I have been running up— I think I've been running up against that more than I've been running up against opposition from— a lot of religious people, especially progressive religious people, you know, I think, I think in a lot of progressive, uh, you know, kind of Episcopal, you know, I came out of the Anglican Church or out of an Anglican setting. I was, I was evangelical, and then I was Catholic, and then I was uh, Anglican, and 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 then I kind of left. But uh, in a lot of pagan circles, in a lot of Episcopalian circles, there is this understanding that non theism. Is is present. It has a place at the table, but a lot of atheists don't seem to have that understanding. Why do you think that is? Honestly,
1: uh, maybe I'm not giving it enough credit, but I haven't seen anything to correct me so far. But I just think it's a certain intellectual laziness. It's it's a real preference to preserve a language they're used to speaking, and it's it's yeah. a and it, it's it's really it's it really, I think, just a lazy refusal to change that terminology in which religion is synonymous with superstition. And, you know, you can put out those book titles like Religion Poisons Everything. Is I mean, it was a good book overall, but just that that sure. notion that, that all religion is this kind of like monolithic entity uh, where, you know, the the mythological names change, but the practices are all essentially the same. Uh, I just think is is entirely wrong if we contextualize religion as something uh, having to do with community, something that can be enriching, which I think is 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 important to see. You can't dismiss those things. Uh, I think if people were to think more clearly about the parts of religion that have helped them in life, uh, that make them hold on to. Some forms of theistic nonsense that they know uh, don't don't stand up to intellectual scrutiny. If they could, if they could uh, see that they could discard those elements while keeping keeping the good parts of religion, um, I think we would have much less problems and dogmatic superstition today. And when atheists insist that no, you can't have religion without superstition. You can't divorce uh, a religious community from supernaturalist practices and that type of thing. They're really working against themselves, and they're working against themselves uh, in order to make things more easily distinguishable in black and white, to make things clearer on that level so they can feel more confident that they have the single answer to everything, which is... The problem with a lot of movements and the problem with, with so many isms is that they try to narrow things down in that way. They try to make themselves less susceptible to nuance. They try to claim to have the one solution to all problems, and they're, they're comfortable feeling that way. They're, 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 that, that, really, uh, that really makes them feel a, a certain degree of confidence in where they're at in the world and, and, and the uh, resolutions that they've come to. But it's not a very responsible way to think about things. And I think, you know, I, I guess just given the circumstances we're in, it's, it's always bringing me back to the, the pandemic right now. But I feel like this pandemic should really demonstrate to people how we need to adapt our isms to the, of the current state of affairs, the kind of uh, ideas about laissez-faire capitalism we have, uh, as being the, the 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 solution to all problems or, or all economic circumstances, it just doesn't it just doesn't stand up in the time of a pandemic. Exactly. Things need to be adjusted. Things need to be adjusted to the reality of the situation at this time, and that can be completely provisional. It can be something you know uh, when all else is equal, we can go back to the way we were. Of course, it doesn't mean a suspension of all. Uh, uh, you know, of all prior rights that we had or whatever else, it's just an acknowledgement that now in this time things are distinctly different and we need to adjust our behavior accordingly. And if you're not willing to do that, uh, that's, that's a real, that's a real handicap, I think.
0: You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought all that up because I was going to, to say the exact same thing. I think that that atheists have shot themselves in the foot and have actually and this is just, you know, my personal hot take that that they have, you know, and I've, they've done great work. They I'm I'm really pleased. You know, I I I think that the douchebag atheist had a place, especially in the 2000s. And I think that they cleared away, cleared cleared the ground for a lot of stuff to be able to take place. You know, I don't know if we would be where we are without, you know, colossal assholes like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and Hitchens, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if we would be where we are culturally without them at the same time. I, all of the things that I disagree with them about aside um i really think that they have that they have inhibited progress by insisting that religion equals supernaturalism because there are people like me in the world for whom religious identity is something that we just cannot we cannot get away from and and so for years i felt like i was kind of stuck for years i felt like i i was a deeply religious person in identity and in orientation and you know i'm sure that there are lots of interesting reasons for the for why that is and i don't really understand it i don't know why i have this impulse and it isn't to say that everyone needs it either like it is, if 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 people are better without religion then that's great but i am personally not and that's and that's okay too you know and but because of that i i felt like i was just trapped between supernaturalism and my religious identity and you know and it's like i can't go full atheist non-religious but also i can't go full you know, claims of the Catholic church or what have you. And I, and it just paralyzed me. And I really think it kept me stuck in theism for a long time. And I am actually kind of bitter about that, you know? And, and so that's why when Satanism came along into my life, it was a revolution for me. It was, it was a revelation. It was life-changing because suddenly it's like, I realized I could have both.
1: That's, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, you've 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 said it all. It's a, it's a really important component in people's lives, and in some people I've seen, you know, I, I've had the benefit of being in the center of the storm. So in some ways, I'm the worst witness to the growth and evolution of the Satanic Temple, because, uh, <laughs> it, 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 and, and in other ways, I'm I'm the only person who can really see what I see, right? Sure. But I go to. Uh, you know, visit chapters in other areas, I, do to give, I go to give lectures, and people come up to speak to me afterwards and talk about how they, they came to this and how meaningful it is to them. And it is interesting to me to see uh, lifelong atheists or people who were religious then went to atheism and felt some deficit in their lives uh, come to us and see that that gap is filled in a way they never thought it would be. And it's interesting. I mean, I was talking earlier about the atheists, some of them who come to us and think that, you know, they want us to be that prank. They, they think it'll be, uh, you know, that this is just uh, atheist activism of, uh, you know, to a, to another degree, um, in that it'll be the same as the other kind of atheist activities they've done. And then they, they realize it's something else, and they they love that, you know, they're, they're full, full converts. And some of those people I've gotten the most uh, uh, intense testimonies from. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it is just, it is, it is remarkable to see what different types of people come to us from which different backgrounds, what brings them to us and what this means to them. And uh, it's more diverse now than you can really make a single composite of at this point, really. And um, it's, you know, there's such a large population of us now, too, that they're going to have to reckon with us on the pupils and other types of things. And it's uh, kind of disappointing to me how little interest I've seen so far in academia. You know, you have uh,
0: some some people like a religion scholar, Joe Laycock, He's great. Ooh. The most interviewed guest on my show, by the way, he, right, he right. yeah, he comes on all the time to, to hang out. Yeah. He's amazing.
1: Right. But, but he's, uh, he took us seriously right away. as a new religious movement and now he has a book out about us, but, um, I think it's kind of, uh, uh kind of exasperating how few emails I get from religious scholars looking to, uh, track the the evolution and interview people in the satanic temple because you can't you you can't set this up in a test environment you know what i mean you can't simulate this you can't uh you can't plan something like this you can only catch it as it's as, as it's, it's taking as place it's
0: happening right? and so and i feel like so f- yeah no i agree with you i i feel like there are so few religious scholars or or academics who are, who are really taking note of this. And honestly, I've, you know, I've been really surprised by the lack of pushback I've gotten, um, from some people in the satanic temple. Um, I, just because I, I refuse to cut ties with parts of the Christian world, you know, I still interview lots of progressive Christians. I I still work with them. I still work at an Episcopal church. And that, for me, is not a conflict. Um, it it is, is—and what I try to explain to people who are confused by this—normally not Satanists. Most Satanists seem to intuitively get what I'm doing. But I, I find myself explaining to a lot of people— I'm not anti-Christian. I'm post-Christian. I am anti-authoritarianism, and there is plenty of that within the Church and without, you know, And but there's also healthy forms of Christianity that I feel like I'm able to work with more. Even if I have some fundamental disagreements with them, I feel like they're their social justice work is great i feel like their work for separation of church and state is great i feel like their service to various communities is great and i am willing to ally myself with those communities you know and like it, it this isn't a, you know a lot of people have come to me with the suggestion like oh i know what you're doing i understand what this whole thing is you're just kind of the yin to to christianity's Yang, you know, you're just it, you're just trying to to be a counterbalance to Christianity and I'm like, "No, I have left Christianity. I've left it behind. I am not You know, I think that there I think Jesper um Pet- Peterson said something about this in in Hail Satan, the documentary, but I that's totally where I am and I've I've been really surprised at first I was not anymore but at first I was really surprised by just the lack of pushback against <laughs> against what I was what I was writing about and what I was talking about of of ecumenism, you know, uh, continuing connect, rejecting false binaries and continuing to have conversations with other religious groups, Um, continuing to see myself as a practitioner of mysticism, meaning altered states of consciousness, um, even though I'm a non-theist and seeing myself as a recreational non-theistic mystic, (laughs) you know, all of that stuff. Anyway, I could go on, but I won't.
1: Well, I think, you know, this, I mean, it it brings me back to something I find interesting also and and brings me back to those uh, kind of atheists who would come to us, want us to be a prank and feel that what the satanic temple really is, is fuck you Christians turned up to volume 10, is I think what people find when they come to non-theistic religion from militant atheism is that uh, this, at least for me, actually helps reconcile myself more to that idea of uh, uh, of religion, and, and and helps to kind of mitigate that feeling of animosity because Absolutely. I feel like I, I know what they're getting. I know what they, you know, I, I know to a certain degree uh, what what their religion is, or at least I, I feel like I know what religion can be for people for whom they don't have necessarily uh, designs for authoritarian power, which was all I could see of it before when my viewpoint was more militantly atheistic. And now I'm not willing to just entirely disregard the progressive factions of these belief systems, but I am willing to Work as an ally with them when they understand what I believe, who I am. Don't ask me to do otherwise. Understand the importance of our mission. Understand that our community finds our viewpoint on the the, on the mythology that that they they cling to, and from a different light, different perspective. But we get uh, a, a real sense of moral and ethics from it. And they they can accept that, you know, and, and they Absolutely. see the, the, the problems we're up against and some of them are willing to speak out in our favor now. And it would be it would be just self-destructive of us to not be willing to hear that, to not be willing to work with those people. And I feel like uh, when we really make some inroads in the fight against uh, theocracy now, Uh, We're going to make those inroads by alliances with progressive Christian groups and progressive Jewish groups and progressive Muslim groups and other established uh, religious organizations that are going to be more and more willing to be vocal about the affront of government co-opting religion for their own gain, uh, for their own uh, means to subjugate people. Uh, taking ownership over what other people consider uh, sacred just for their kind of uh, cynical use. Um, I think that that's how this is going to go. The only disappointing part about it all is that I think uh, non-theistic religion will only be kind of generally recognized as a respectable thing at the point where some Christian group does it. And uh, (laughs) I I think you're
0: completely right about that. Yeah.
1: And then it's deemed palatable, and it's it's the new thing all of a sudden.
0: I will say, however, to that, there is quite the vicious effort within Christianity to quash any form of non-theistic expression. So it might actually be a long time. Um, I think that—I mean, even within the Episcopal Church, I, I was very surprised to—because the Episcopal Church is— one of the mainline denominations that I think is more more open towards non-theism. And their their approach is, it isn't about what you believe. This is what my priest said to me when my writings on Satanism started to become very popular. <laughs> and I was like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> I'm doing this stuff online, and you should probably know about it. But But what she told me was, It isn't about what you believe. It's about coming together and practicing these rituals together. That is what makes you part of this community. And I'm like, that is very healthy. I think that is an incredibly healthy way to approach it. But even within the Episcopal Church, I I have been very astonished by the viciousness especially among young people especially among like young lgbt people socially progressive people against forms of non-theism um there are a lot of people in christianity who just find non-theistic religion so threatening and will try to quash it so it might actually be a while it might be a long time before we see kind of a a broad non-theistic movement within christianity
1: (laughs) Well, that's all going to come part and parcel with the fight against political efforts uh, to install a theocratic vision uh, to the United mm-hmm. States, honestly, because the churches themselves have been hijacked by uh, decades-long efforts to render them conservative and to align them with the Republican parties. And... the. You know, these things might have sounded like conspiracy theory before, but now they are out in the open. There were actual unified efforts from uh, nationwide uh, uh, theocratic organizations, litigation groups and the rest to really kind of install themselves in different religious denominations in different churches and turn them to the conservative right and align the conservative right with with. with with the religion and vice versa. This is all meticulously documented in Katherine Stewart's new book, The Power Worshippers. And uh mm. she references a book called Steeplejacking, which talked about this effort where these kind of national organizations, these theocratic national organizations, went to the churches, turned them to the conservative right, uh gave speaking points to pastors, started advising them on what they can and can't say. Uh, so as to not imperil their tax-exempt status, but still clearly and obviously take a political stance in in alignment with the Republican Party. And now this has been so effective to the point that the conservative agenda and the Republican Party are inextricable from um, American Christianity in in certain ways. So the very idea of non-theistic religion I think if somebody were looking at uh, affairs just from kind of a theological uh, mindset, uh, kind of a, a scriptural review, some kind of uh, concern for spiritual human welfare, that type of thing, uh, in that kind of environment, we might be more amenable to speaking about our differences when it comes to theism versus non-theism or whatever else. But when you have these this kind of entrenchment Political Mm. motivation to a specific end, you know, or specific ends, making abortion these hot topic issues, other things that they they definitely want to see enacted in society at large. That prevents them from accepting that religion can or should be something different to different people. It's no longer an issue of hey, whatever you know, whatever works for you works for you. But it's an issue of all right. If you don't agree with this, that hinders our ability to enact uh, kind of legislation at large yeah, that yeah. that that really dictates to people, you know, what the moral position of the government is and, and what people's responsibilities are, what they can and can't do, um, that type of thing. So we're we're not. That's that's why we're not anywhere near that dialogue yet. But we might get there a lot faster, being that people, I think, are becoming more and more aware of how serious this battle against theocrats is. And I think uh, concerned Christians are going to begin to see that they need to be vocal about this, that uh, their vision of of what their religion is, is being completely subsumed by these power-hungry, exploitative autocrats and that uh, they, they can't stay silent now and expect to see the same world uh, day after day and, and expect uh, uh, the future that would be uh, most in line with their values.
0: And, you know, not to harp on this, but what what I also find really frustrating is then I think some people in the atheist community become the unwitting allies by insisting that religion doesn't involved on theism, you know?
1: Oh, right. Yeah. It's completely, it, it, it's they become, completely self-defeating. Right. Yeah. They become it's, the
0: useful, the, 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 the useful idiots in that. Right. Process. Well,
1: they're, they're, they're willingly relegating themselves to, to, uh, second-class citizen status, to, to victim status. And they're doing it on, on this principle, uh, this principled stand, I, I guess, that uh, religion is just inextricable from supernaturalism, and that no matter how you practice it, uh, it's a destructive force and has been a destructive force through throughout history. And that the the only uh, the the only thing left for us to do is eradicate it entirely. Um, with the kind of legal privileges and exemptions we offer to religion, that just ensures. That only the opposition of of the values that uh, that they often find themselves uh, rejecting are are the only ones who are going to get those kinds of exemptions, those kinds of privileges. They're going to be treated uh, at a, at a at a higher level, and uh, and people like us, you know, won't be able to get any of those benefits whatsoever. To be fair, um, from the very beginning when I started doing this, most of the Atheist leaders who are actually leading some of the primary organizations to advance secularism and and uh, and uh, advance atheism as a moral point of view or as at least not near a responsible one. Um, they seem to they seem to embrace us. It was a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the followers and membership of that organization that didn't seem like they were willing to think far beyond their use of terminology or, or far enough beyond it to accept the satanic temple. But that's changing, you know, and that's changed fairly that's rapidly. Awesome. Yeah. And it, it's going to keep changing as, as time goes on and we'll never be able to compare against a control reality where we never existed just how much effect we've had on culture. But yeah. uh, I think it's not insignificant, and I think that uh, some people might not even realize where some of these shifts are coming from on people's perceptions regarding religion.
0: But I'll tell you that shift is partially coming from the Satanic Temple. I agree. I I agree one hundred percent. And you know, and and an observation that I kind of want to make is, I think a lot of people hear this is just an observation that I've had. I, I think a lot of people hear you and other leaders within the temple talk about, say, the political activism, talk about this stuff about, you know, um, uh, uh, religious privilege and, and uh, the division of church and state and defending that line and all that stuff, and assume that that makes— you somehow not religious, which is weird to me. And what I, what I try to point out to people, you know, like someone recently sent I've gotten actually a lot of criticism <laughs> from people because of my support of the satanic temple. And so there are a lot of people who consider themselves real satanists who are like, I, I love your podcast and I love your writing. Um, but why do you align with, with the satanic temple uh, why do you support them? They aren't real Satanists. they're just political activists. And what I what I try to say is, well, no, 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 Their political activism comes flows from their religious convictions. It's like think of the Quakers. A lot of the Quakers have been at the front lines of various um, at, at various forms of social activism. That isn't because they, that's who they are first and foremost. It is because they are Quakers. It is because they are nonviolent. It is because they have these principles of, of, of peace and, and, you know, equality and humanity and all of that, all that great stuff. And because of that, they've been involved in protest. And that is, just seems really lost on people. And so I think a lot of people hear you talk about this stuff and assume that it doesn't come from a religious place, that it isn't motivated by your religious values and identity, you know?
1: Yeah. And I and I try to take those criticisms seriously as coming from somebody's genuine perception of what they they see. And sometimes it's difficult for me to do that because it also brings up the question for me when they give those criticisms of well, where do they think these values are coming from? Uh, I I can hardly take people seriously when they say they think we do things just for the publicity of it. And it's like, well, obviously, we're getting publicity around something about things that are important to us. Like, uh, obviously, we're advocating a distinct set of values that are important to us. Clearly, we have these kinds of Deeply held beliefs that compel us to go this route and compel us to uh, to generate this type of publicity and, and show people these battles we're fighting, whether we're crowd fighting, crowdfunding for specific campaigns to to you know to try to bring these battles forward or or whatever else. So at that point, uh, it, it's bizarre when people act as though they see us just trying to generate attention for attention's sake because i think it's fairly hard to uh to come to that conclusion if you pay any attention to what we're doing and so from my from where i'm at like i made a decision early on to not let people's perceptions of that uh kind of mold my own public-facing message or behavior. I wasn't going to start proselytizing. When I'm on television or when I'm doing an interview, I I uh, want it to be about a specific issue. I want the appearance for the most part. Well, when it comes to mainstream news, I, I insist that it's not like a personal profile. It's not going to be a dialogue like you or I are having. It's going to be about something specific. It's going to be about an issue, and I'm going to talk to that issue and i don't really care if people are looking and they're trying to determine well are, are we authentically religious or, or what i want them to understand the issue and if they're interested then they can then they can come figure out more about us we have enough of a presence there's enough background material now where they can they can figure it out they can draw their own conclusions but i'm not going to let fear of that make me start proselytizing i'm not going to start going into other uh, minority communities or other communities at large and just telling people, Hey, I think Satanism is right for you because it might not be. And we're comfortable with that. That's (laughs) part of the, that's part of the philosophy is, is accepting that this isn't, isn't necessarily right for some people. And what, what's good for some people isn't necessarily good for you, but we can coexist that way. We can accept that we can find a common ground. And so long as we're not encroaching upon each other's rights uh then we you know then there's there's no reason that that has to bring us into conflict and you can see me handling tucker carlson that way i, I was, I was just in. about yes. to
0: bring that back bring that yeah, up yeah, I was exactly. like, your your conversation your interviews with tucker carlson are pure gold they're, well, so, some, <laughs> some, they're so great at the, time,
1: at the time some of the membership in the satanic temple i was seeing on uh social media were were upset after my first uh, appearance on Tucker Carlson I did two of them but on the first one he was trying to attack our religious authenticity mm-hmm. and instead of defending it I blew it off and I said it didn't matter what he thought of our religious authenticity yes. it, I I was making him confront the cognitive dissonance of a Fox News libertarian defender of free speech also Uh, seeming to advocate for the idea that we should be shut out of what was designated a free speech zone. He didn't want to touch the actual core of that issue. He wanted to present us as a bunch of trolls who were just there to piss people off. And I was not letting him go down that path. I was just holding him to the value of a free speech zone and the value of having a viewpoint neutral government that wasn't going to come in and tell people what was appropriate religious or political expression? that infuriated him, I think, because he didn't yeah. want to yeah. he didn't want to defend that. He didn't he didn't expect me to go that route. He expected me to try to uh, summarize Satanism in all its complexity and and a couple sentences or less while he would cut me off and start yelling about things or whatever else. And I didn't play that game. I didn't take the bait. and uh, but that was disappointing to some people who thought that it was. Uh, necessary for me to try to do that, which would have been a losing battle. Like, I, I still have no doubt that I handled it the right way. <laughs>
0: because that's that's ultimately on the individual to learn that shit, right? Like, it's it's on the person to figure out what we're about. But that's—so to kind of articulate what you're doing then, what, what you were doing in those interviews, basically— Depend depending on the context whether we are a real quote-unquote real religion or not doesn't fucking matter it is a what matters is uh is religious freedom and free speech zones and so whether it's real or not or what someone thinks of us ult- ultimately doesn't matter the issue is those core principles of of who do why do we not include everyone in a free speech zone when we say that we do? Right. Well, you get on a ten minute interview with a screaming Fox News talking head, <laughs> and you're you're not
1: going to be able to talk about what your religion is. And and you, if you're going to get into that conversation, where is it, are you a real religion or are you political or whatever? I mean, if you're really going to get down to the nitty gritty, you have to start asking those questions. Well, how do you define religion? And the fact of the matter is, if it's going to be some uh, the self-serving agenda of a Fox News talking head or some other uh, uh, some other religious figurehead who's who's offended by our presence. I don't I don't care what their definition of religion is. We're we're a religion to us. It's a religion to me. It's a religion to our community. You can say we're not by your definition. We're still going to be here. We're still going to be Satanists. We're still going to be doing uh, rituals. We're still going to have these practices. We're still going to have our kind of iconography and sense of aesthetic. So whether you call it religion or not just seems like a matter of convenience on your part to whichever way you want to take the argument at, at the time, because you know if uh, there was ever an occasion in which the Satanic Temple was saying that we were donating to the public ground something completely secular and meaning, and and really had was not a violation of the Establishment Clause, even given our our basis as a tax-exempt religious organization or 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 anything like that, um, you know, all of a sudden. These organizations that usually argue that we aren't a religion would completely change their tune and say that we couldn't uh, try to bypass issues of the Establishment Clause uh, based on a secular donation or secular iconography or whatever else uh, because we are clearly a religious organization and then they would be willing (laughs) to make that argument.
0: Yes. You know, this is reminding me of a fantastic fantastic quote from joseph laycock's new book speak of the devil and i'm i'm just going to pull it up here and read it because it is so fucking good um so this is this is what he says i'm sure you're already familiar with this uh with this passage in the book of job satan appears as the accuser challenging job's devotion to god satan tests just how much pain Job can bear before renouncing his core beliefs. TST adopts a similar role as accuser when American communities claim to support religious pluralism. How much discomfort can we tolerate before we abandon our professed values? The penultimate line of TST's prayer vocation uh, reads, that which will not bend must break, and that which can be destroyed by truth should never be spared its demise. If we cannot bear even a few black cat, black-clad gadflies before declaring that, quote, equality has gone too far, then our claims of tolerance have broken, and the accuser has won his case. I just think that's so brilliant. I think that's so well put.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 I really... Really appreciate uh, Joe Laycock's work, and I think it's interesting to note. Uh, you know, I I think when I I, I had done an interview with him uh, really early on in doing this, and I, I really paid attention though when he wrote a piece about our uh, our Black Mass event at Harvard, uh, which was, you know, it, it it fell apart in this kind it of it was
0: it was a spectacular world-changing clusterfuck right yeah but uh (laughs) he 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 wrote a piece
1: that uh about it that uh um you know articulated in ways i hadn't even thought to articulate the uh the the meaning of of the black mass to us you know because because sometimes you have ideas you know something's essential to you or whatever you and i think this is something i I strive to do for people is try to put words to these things they're they're feeling you know to 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 let people know that this kind of black mass isn't for uh you know it 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 wasn't something meant to just be seen by the outside world to offend them and provoke a reaction in the way that uh, that trolls do these things but that it was this kind of significant event for people leaving superstition supernaturalism and that type of thing. and, and he articulated this really well in, in a piece he wrote about the, the meltdown surrounding the black mass event. And, uh, you know, he, he's a Catholic he considers himself a Catholic. I was and, just uh, going to so, bring
0: that up. Yeah. He's a Catholic.
1: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it, it goes to show that, uh, you know, uh, our, our opposition isn't necessarily the religious and it's just all too easy, uh, to, to, Say religion means this one thing, you know. All religions poison, and all of that that bullshit. But uh, we have to be willing to engage in more nuanced dialogues than that, and be willing to accept that no, we we never really do have one solution to all problems. Uh, there's never one religion necessarily that's going to be beneficial to the entire world at large. And, uh, but the more we can get different religions to, uh, live in unity with that fact that we're not all going to unify under one banner, that there is a diversity to thought and, uh, diversity to communities and that we're better off that way,
0: the better off the whole world will be. I agree. Uh, 100%. Yeah. And, and, you know, a point that I, that I meant to make earlier and, and failed to when I was talking about you know, aligning with, with you know, various progressive theists of, of various different religious stripes, that doesn't mean that there aren't substantial disagreements, right? You know, that, that doesn't mean that I agree with my uh, Catholic friends or Buddhist friends or Muslim friends or pagan friends on everything, and they think that I am in grave error, error about some things as well. Um, it's about plurality, and and I think that that's important for me to verbalize. Sometimes, do you have do you have time for me to ask you a question about the Harvard Mass? I know that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Go ahead. Um, well, so there's something that has kind of come up again and again recently, and just in my life in conversations that I've been having with people. I had a, I have a, a very close friend who is in the old Catholic Church, which is kind of a, a sectarian, more progressive group that broke away. Um, and he was, he was saying, uh, you know, I I appreciate what TSD is doing. I just wish they wouldn't do the black mass though, because that's really an act of hatred against Catholicism. And. I tried to, ex- you know, I, I tried to explain to him. Oh well, and before I get to that, just earlier today, someone in my Discord community was was talking about how uh, there was a petition on on some petition website from a bunch of Catholics uh, asking Etsy to remove all of the satanic rosaries on Etsy because they they see it as somehow persecution against Catholicism, and of course. One of the big things about the black mass was that it was seen in in Harvard was that it was seen as anti-Catholic hate or anti-Catholic bigotry or anti or, or or oppressive towards or persecution towards Catholics. What is your take on all that? Like, why? Why do you? Because it's so ironic to me that the most fucking powerful religion on this entire globe feels oppressed by a tiny minority new religious movement. And and that is just so ironic to me. And Joe Laycock, in his book, made the point about the Harvard mass that none of them ever asked us what we meant by it. Like no one ever takes the time. They never take the time to, to ask the Satanists, well, what do you mean by this? And if they did, maybe they would walk away with a better understanding. Instead, they just go, I don't know. Just like, what's your take on that whole thing?
1: Well, it, it's, it's infuriating to me, honestly. I, uh, sure. I had a real difficult time, of course, uh, getting people or getting, uh, writers to convey the, the entirety of the message I was trying to put out during the the Black Mass thing. Uh, to, to be clear, uh, the Black Mass was presented later on by a lot of people who wrote about it as something of course that we did to to get attention again. We were intentionally trying to be uh, uh, this fo- divisive force of, of outrage. By, by doing this, we were trying to provoke the Catholics or whatever, and the uh, the fact of the matter is that we weren't doing that, and I was really annoyed by all the coverage that this event was getting because to me this was going to be a a little academic affair, right? We were going in front of this student group, and uh, we put out these these uh, this little release uh, for the event saying that we were going to do a reenactment of a Black Mass, and I thought reenactment maybe that would buffer us from uh, the people who felt that the black mass actually had this power to affect their lives in some way and like the the idea being that you know the, these were people who were going to pretend to do a black mass whatever the difference would be rather than actually doing a black mass so maybe maybe they wouldn't pay attention to it maybe they would think that in that way it's uh, its supernatural powers were were nullified or whatever, but the presentation about the black mass itself that I was going to give at this student event was going to talk specifically to the black mass having that kind of power for the people who engage in it, not not as this thing that was meant to offend Catholics because it would be done for the most part uh, by people who weren't uh, who weren't doing this publicly at all, who you know for whom. would be doing this in in private and then you know the churchgoers would have no part wouldn't be aware uh whatever but it would just be that kind of embrace of of the blasphemous iconography or, or maybe acts or whatever in a way that would make them feel like they had broken the chains of the oppression of the superstitious uh background that they they probably grew up with and I was also going to speak about the history of the black mass and how this mythology of a black mass kind of evolved from these claims about witches, Sabbaths, and uh, other types of events that that didn't take place uh, or it was by, invented
0: by Christians. It was
1: right. It, it, it invented in in a way to really create uh, to an opposition to right to demonize and to. Uh, to, to, purge, uh, to, to purge pariah outgroups, um, uh, that, that, that kind of deplorable part of, of Christian history. And so when the, uh, when the Catholics would say that uh, the Black Mass always is and always has been some kind of hateful act against Catholics, to me, I see a complete failure to reconcile themselves to the ugly bits of their own history. And I don't necessarily feel that they have to grovel in shame over these things that uh, the modern church may not have any involvement with. But if you're going to deny those things outright and claim you've been right all along... I don't see uh, your position as having any type of moral authority and I don't trust your powers of introspection to bring you to a morally sound position today. And uh, the idea that uh, we were engaging in black mass ritual behavior simply as a way to them, making it all about them, also ignores the fact that we are not some kind of, as I said in the foreword to, to Sheba's book, uh, th- that passage that I think you, you tweeted out uh, in Underscore, yes. like we're, we're not some barbarian invaders from outside the gates who are coming in and co-opting some unfamiliar culture and laughing at it and pointing at it in mockery. Uh, for the most part, a lot of us grew up in this kind of culture where besieged
0: by these superstitions and felt very oppressed by them. It, it was our culture.
1: Like right. We, so, we, are, we are not
0: invading anything. We are taking it with us and right. shaping it and molding it into something new and better.
1: Right. And if you're going to raise children in this environment of authoritarian conditioning, uh, impressing upon them that if they they break from these certain symbolic restrictions or norms, that they're going to be tormented eternally, and then expect that some of them aren't going to come away from this uh, feeling a bit damaged and embittered and feeling uh, uh, a sense of liberation by engaging in things like embracing the blasphemous or in a black mass. That just seems so uh, uh, ridiculously uh, pigheaded and self-serving to me, honestly. And and it's it's difficult for me sometimes to engage in discussion with with that camp. Yeah,
0: yeah, I totally get that completely. And um, so I I have one last question for you to to kind of close things out. Are you good on time?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, so you know, Shiva Honey, uh, Shiva Honey's new book came out, of course, uh, and she is. The director of events for the Satanic Temple headquarters, I believe, and she was part of the International Council for a long time. Back when it was the National Council and all that.
1: Um, She's part of Satanic Planet too, so she was going to be. Oh, uh, awesome! Yeah, she was going to be on tour with us. uh, So, you know, buy her book.
0: Yeah, you know, everyone buy her book. her,
1: Her income plan also
0: collapsed in the in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, and really, like I said, I'm going to be reaching out to her to have her on the show because I very much want to talk to her, but you know, her whole book and her whole spiel is about ritual and, and incorporating satanic ritual into, into one's life individually and, uh, and communally. And there are some people for whom ritual won't be a, an important part, and that's Awesome, that's great. And then there's some other people for whom it will be a very big part, and that's also awesome and great. Um, let me know if this is too personal a question uh, for you. But what does do you have apart from your satanic practice being leading the Satanic Temple, which is a big part, I assume, of your own Satanism and a big expression of your Satanism. Do you have any satanic practices? Do you like what? What do your if you're willing to talk about this publicly? What do your What does your personal Satanism? Do you have any personal rituals? Um, what does What does your own personal Satanism look like for you?
1: Well, let me start out by talking about this more generally and about people sure. having those kinds of personal, individualized practices uh my fear whenever i do whenever i answer to questions about you, you know my personal activities regarding satanism or whatever is that people will take this as some kind of fiat about what is the appropriate satanic way to handle your personal practices or whatever. And that's that, it, not... that it's
0: somehow like canon the moment it comes from your mouth or something. Right. right.
1: right. If, if I do it, that's the way you got to do it And that, you know, we're of different character types, different things work differently for different people. I remember, uh, well before, uh, the founding of TST, I was involved in, uh, uh, researching and pushing back against, uh, transcendental meditations efforts to install themselves into public schools Absolutely. because just felt that this was also uh, a violation of church state separation because despite what they were saying about uh, transcendental meditation being merely a technique uh, by which children could meditate and focus better which are all great things uh, it also came with a lot of baggage about what people are supposed to believe and the only uh, Reliable teachers for uh, transcendental meditation techniques were supposed to be uh, teachers who were vetted through uh, Maharishi University or, or or the central organization itself. So in you know claims about levitation, changing weather, you know su- supernatural claims related to transcendental meditation. But what I was also seeing when I was speaking to people who left transcendental meditation and were embittered, where there was a, a population of people who felt that the technique itself was bad for them. Uh, And what Transcendental Meditation does is it gives you a personal mantra. And that mantra is what you recite over and over again, uh, ad nauseum, this this line you you loop, uh, whether you chant it or play it in your head, as a way to bring yourself into a trance state of meditation. And the people who had real difficulty with this, I think, were reporting – uh, a type of OCD response that was uh, 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 that was counterproductive to them, and I don't also doubt that there are people who for whom this practice really works well, doesn't have any of that negative impact on them, doesn't cause them to kind of uh, dissociate or or otherwise uh, or otherwise fall into. Uh, Regressive looped patterns and that type of thing, and I think that's the same for ritual behavior overall. Some people might want that kind of regimented structure in their lives. They might want to go through these kinds of motions to uh, anchor themselves and, and get their bearings and, and and feel that there's some kind of real context and order. And um, so there's not there's not a universal right way to do that so with with that long kind of preface i'll say that in my daily life i do not find myself engaging in personal private ritual behavior beyond getting up at a certain time you know doing things like i said before the pandemic making sure making myself go out into the public so that i wouldn't fall into a, a Permit lifestyle, um, making sure I did uh, certain things throughout the day, um, even going to the gym, things like that, keeping on top of, of uh, who you are, where you're at, and, and what you need to, to be your, your healthiest and most productive. Those could be considered ritual behaviors. But as the more kind of like religious symbolic rituals, no, but I really do see a value in Uh, kind of presiding over uh, ritual activities. My ritual activities are really more uh, performative, and I don't say performative uh, as a way to diminish it as being something that's merely a performance. I mean, something that really helps generate a mood and a sense of unity amongst people, uh, really kind of conveying a a grounding in, and in, uh, in where we're at, you know, just that kind of that kind of pageantry that uh, seems to uh, uh, transcend uh, mere a mere academic conveyance of words. And I'm trying to bring those kinds of aspects into our uh, eventually, I hope, at some point forthcoming Satanic planet shows where you know we even have a track for, on baptisms, where we're going to mm. baptisms on the stage, but just to give people that kind of sense that something more is taking place than a mere uh, a mere live show of, of, of musical significance, but something that's actually uh, interactive and in which their their feelings, their uh, their their, uh, uh, their contextualization of it plays some kind of role. And the performance itself. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're engaged in protest, you know, and you're able to in some way convey your grievance or how you see the issue through some kind of ritualistic practice rather than uh, just holding up placards that have trite statements on them, that can be such so much more powerful and communicative. And in that way, ritualism, Important to me. But there again, and you know, a ritual can be so many different things to so many different people. Hmm. And uh, the way I do it isn't necessarily what's going to be most effective or most productive for everybody else.
0: I love that, and you know, I think that I think that the word practice is just so broad. And I, I'm at, I'm kind of at the point now where I think that there really isn't a division uh there really isn't a division between religious identity and religious practice it's like i am a satanist therefore i practice life i live as a satanist and even if i never did another ritual in my life i would still live clothed in the story of lucifer clothed in the icon and the archetype of satan and that affects how I interact with other people. You know, I'm, I live by the tenets. I, I uh, try to kind of live up to the ideal or follow in the archetype of the eternal rebel of Satan. And it's like, even if I never do another ritual for the rest of my life, that alone is practice. That alone makes me a Satanist, you know? Preaching to the choir. <laughs> All right. Well, it's getting late, and uh, I need to turn in soon and and uh, actually get some reading done. I'm currently reading La Basse by Hoismans. How do you pronounce his last name, by the way? Oh, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Okay, uh, I, I won't ask you then. He's always terrible with French. <laughs> yes, me too. Well, yeah, so I'm currently working through the damned aka La Basse by Hoisman's and then I will move on to the rest of the Devil's Tome and then the rest of uh, Anatole France or um, uh, Revolt of Angels. I'm just you know I'm taking I'm taking the the apocalypse right now to just knock out all of my Satan reading like all of the satanic reading that I've been, that have been built up.
1: I'm going to do some readings of some of the the texts for uh, TST TV and, and to post uh, on my Patreon. I'm going to start filming a, uh, uh, a reading of uh, a revolt of the angels probably this weekend. That's awesome.
0: I can't wait. I will definitely listen to that. All right. Well, do you have any final words? Um, before we sign off here, where can if people want to read more of your stuff, or if they want to follow some of your work, where can they do that? Well,
1: I I do update uh, my feed on Twitter quite a bit. I'm just at Lucian greaves there, and uh, check the Satanic Temple dot com website for other goings on. And uh, you also find at the uh, on my twitter bio a link to my patreon page so you can check things out there and the as i said the uh the current material produced during the pandemic is going to be free for the course of the pandemic and if you can subscribe and you like the material please go ahead <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for you sure. All of you can't pay for it it's uh it's it's available for for people who are in everyone Uh, is
0: struggling including us (laughs) so if you are able to support also support us on patreon that's great if not that is okay too yeah patreon.com forward slash lucian greaves um he he has amazing work also you have like years worth of research to do at the satanic temple.com website there's so much fucking material on there so many books to read um and so if you have any questions about Satanism whatsoever, just go dip your toes in at the satanictemple.com website, and uh, you will be there for the rest of your days working through their library. Um, anyway, well, this has been great. I've really enjoyed this. Let's do this again sometime if you're up for it. I'm up for it. Just
1: let me know when.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, thank you so much. As always, this show is written, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and is a production of Rock Candy Media. The artwork is by uh, Ramakrishna Das. The music is by the bands The Jelly Rocks and 117. You can find their music on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen to music. And as always, hail Satan, and we'll see you next week. Tell us some clever metaphor. Sing as a hymn, or strum us a power chord. about it? Just try and say something honestly. I don't think I have what you're asking for. I'm just like Jesus Christ, why does I don't give up?